When Eve came, the boat was in the middle of the lake. Jesus was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. As we've read through this passage, I find it amazing that Jesus saw them straining at the oars. And that's kind of where some of us are today, straining at the oars, wind feels against us. And then the fourth watch of the night, come on, can't you come a little earlier, right? And yet God, Jesus is looking at them and he sees them. And then he says, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Or another translation says, be of good cheer. And that's what our desire is, that we put our hope and trust in God. Even though we may be straining at the oars, we may feel like the wind is against us. So all the way from the Ukraine crisis to current culture issues, to our own family issues, to our own personal issues, you need to know he's with you. He sees you. And he says, take courage. Be of good cheer, for I'm with you. Father, may we put our hope and trust in you. And even if it is the fourth watch of the night and it feels like, oh Lord, where are you? Thank you that you see us. Thank you that you care for us. And that the best is yet to come. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, New Cov. Great to see you. And those of you online, thank you for making the effort to be here to worship. Uh, we've been going through the book of Mark. And so you know that part of the book of Mark is, is the first half is all about who Jesus is and getting ready for Easter. And it is not too late for you to start in the book of Mark. Just take a chapter a day. And as you read through the chapter, read it slowly and think, what is this saying about God? What is he wanting to say to me and what am I going to do about it? So, so that we're not just filled full of information. John Maxwell says most of us are educated way beyond our level of obedience. And that is the truth for me. But we read and say, what is God saying? What does it say about him? Uh, what is he saying to me about this? And then what am I going to do about it? The next thing that we do, we've been doing is we've been working our way through Mark on the weekends, we've been looking at the last part of Mark, talking about why Jesus came. So let's pick up in Mark 14, where we left off a couple of weeks ago. Mark 14, page 1020. And let me just give you a quick background so you know where we're headed. Jesus is headed towards the cross. We know this. He has just spent time with the most important people in his life. And he's shared communion with them. And he's given a new meaning to the word communion and the Lord's Supper. And so he's sharing, this is my body. This is my blood. This is what I've shed for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Then he heads out to uh, the Garden of Gethsemane where he is in absolute turmoil. And you'll remember he, he, took, he said, let's go to the garden. And then he took J- Peter, James, and John a little bit further and we made a comment about this. He took three of his best friends with him as he was facing the most difficult time, the most difficult prayer of his life. 
and we've made this observation, life's journey is not a matter of the terrain, it's a matter of the company. And so whatever season you're in, whatever straining at the oars you may be having, feel like the wind is against you, do it in community. Because when we isolate, we turn into crazy people. We start having crazy thoughts and we start believing the crazy thoughts. And we need, we need people who love us and care about us and, and come alongside us. So he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane where he comes to the conclusion, this is amazing, he says that his immediate desire is to be spared, is, is to be desired, that's what he wants, to be spared, but he must now bow before his ultimate value to spare us, where he says, not my will, but your will be done. And we hung on that for a little bit because we learned from Jesus What is his will for us? And it comes to a place where we open our hands instead of having a fist and shaking our fist at God. We we open our hands and say, God, here's what I want, but nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. And that's that that sounds great. It's it's simple, but it's it's difficult to get to that place. But we came to this conclusion: the gospel of escaping our circumstances is rarely the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. He's facing the most horrible thing, and he could have escaped. And yet he says, this is what I want. I want to escape this, but I'm going to yield. And so nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. God will use the brokenness of the world that your present address to complete the loving work a personal transformation that he's begun. That's what grace is. And so coming to a place where you say, not my will, your will be done. And what that means is letting God use the brokenness, the times that are difficult, that is our present address to complete his work in us so that, so that the goal is, is not just the end of where we're wanting to be, but the process And I don't know about you, but I don't like process. But I love the results of process. And Jesus was committed to that. So we ended with two questions. What if the unpleasant adjustments to daily life became a portal of breakthrough in our lives? It was for Jesus. Wow. his, His difficult time, the most difficult time of his life, became a portal for our forgiveness. Wow. So what if we learn from Jesus that the unpleasant adjustments to daily life become a portal of breakthrough in our lives? Your pain and problems become a portal. That's what the cross teaches us, that, that in the hands of the Redeemer, apparent defeat, and again, I'm going to say apparent defeat, and we'll look at that over the next two messages, apparent defeat become amazing moments of victory. And he's calling on us to say, God, not, not my will, but your will be done. And so here was the last question. Instead of focusing on the lack, what if we give the lack to God and trust him to provide? Giving the lack. Instead of focusing on the lack, we focus on God to provide. Now, I know some of you are going, heard that. Last week, two weeks ago, we heard that. 
Come on, give me some new, new material. So let me, let me tell you why I've repeated this. Uh, and I want to use a lame pastor joke. And some of you think that's, I'm being redundant. And I acknowledge that all my jokes are lame. So they get a, this church gets a brand new pastor. And he preaches an amazing message. Oh, my word. They think, oh, yes, we've made a great decision. Second week, they come back. He preaches the same message. Yes, that was really good. That was good. Can't wait for next week. Third week, same message. What's the deal with this pastor? Doesn't he have any new material? Fourth week, same message. So they call a deacon's meeting. They call him in and said, Pastor, your four messages, all the same message, are good. When are you going to hear? Some, when are we, we going to hear something new? He said, As soon as you apply what I do, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, shame works really well, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, so instead of focusing on the lack, what if we give the lack to God? And that's not easy. We're all in different seasons. But this season uh, that Karen and I are in, we're giving the lack to God. It's just like you. You give your lack to God and focus on the provider. That's, that's what it's about. Okay, here we are. New material. So chapter 14, Judas the betrayer arrives with a mob carrying swords and clubs. The chief priests, the scribes, the elders had them come under the cloak of darkness as if Jesus is going to need a mob to overcome him. Verse 44. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Lead him away under the guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Wow. Using a kiss, an act of kindness, friendship, Intimacy uses that to betray him. Ever heard of the phrase, kiss of death? Many people feel like that that term, kiss of death, originates with this incident. Kiss of death is intimacy with something that ultimately causes our destruction. Wow. But again, Jesus doesn't get all upset. He just still, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. Verse 48 Jesus responds, am I leading a rebellion? And the word rebellion is the same word they would use for a guerrilla movement existing of violent tactics. So he said, am I, am I leading this kind of a guerrilla movement that you come to me with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Everyone deserted him and fled. Wow. I don't know if, if you feel deserted, but that's, there's nothing worse than being alone and feeling alone. The rebellion, yes. Jesus is, is, is going to bring a rebellion, but it's not a rebellion of new leadership it's a new way of living. He says it's a reverse way of living. It's kind of the reverse. 
So instead of my will be done, your will be done. That's a reversal kind of way to go. May, Dallas Willard puts it this way, may what's going on up there happen down here. Imagine if we prayed that prayer when, the strain, when we're straining at the oars and the wind's against it, say, God, may what's going on up there happen within my own heart. May I reflect your will, not my will. Think about this. God's kingdom is so different than our kingdom here in this culture. God's kingdom is about putting others ahead of ourselves, not demanding that we be first. It's loving, not canceling those with whom we disagree. Loving our enemies. Loving, not canceling those with whom we disagree. Serving, not expecting to be served. Sacrificing, not demanding that I be served. Overcoming evil with good. Giving up our rights in order to point people to the kingdom of God. Just call it the great reversal. That's what the kingdom is about, the great reversal. Those of you that are old enough to appreciate Seinfeld, uh, it's bizarro world. So here's bizarro world. Jesus gets what we deserve And we get what he deserves. Freak us out. The one who who is tempted as we are does not sin. And yet, he's the one who deserves to be alone with God in heaven. And we get to join God in heaven. Great reversal. It's, it's walking, it's, it's, it's learning for us how to walk by faith. Because walking by faith puts, again, takes us to quit looking at the lack and look at the one who can provide for the lack. That's what faith is, and it's asking God to, for faith to transcend our, our, our immediate circumstances. Which means this, he leads you where you didn't plan to go in order to produce in you what you couldn't achieve on your own. Merry Christmas. (laughs) It's letting go of our little kingdom of one and opening it up to God's kingdom. It's this great reversal He's working through circumstances to transform us. He's putting us exactly where he wants us, flaws and all, that we would know him and know him deeply and then make him known. Know him and make him known. And it's about his kingdom. Verse 53. So they took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and elders and teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. Then he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. He is assuming he wouldn't be noticed. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they didn't find him. They came up short. Many testified falsely against him. Their statements weren't verified. 
Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple, and in three days I'll build another not made by man. Yet even their testimony didn't agree with the other testimonies. So Jesus appears before the Jewish religious leaders in this mock trial. They'd already decided the outcome. And none of the credible witnesses were credible and consistent. You feel misunderstood? Jesus did. Feel like people have no idea what you're going through? Jesus does. Verse 60. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And notice what Jesus says in verse 62. I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. A couple things in verse 62 that are just huge. He says, I am. He's claiming to be the Messiah. I am. He claims to be the Messiah, the promised one. And then he uses this. He said, and you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. He is quoting Daniel 7.13. And all of the Pharisees and scribes and priests knew what he was saying. This is nothing small. He's claiming to be God in human flesh, but he says, I'm sitting at the right hand of the mighty one. In other words, he is in control and he's going to judge the world. He will sit at the right hand of God. And Jesus is giving this illusion saying, I am the son of man. In other words, I am God. And not only am I God, but I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of the mighty one. And then he uses this interesting phrase, coming on the clouds of heaven. He's not talking about water vapor. He's talking about the clouds that led the Israelites through the, through the wilderness. For those of you that have been in church a long time, the Shekinah glory, the magnificence. And then what Jesus says, I'm going to come. He's saying, I will come to the earth in the very glory of God, and I will judge the entire world. Man, what a statement. What, what, what a statement. Psalm 110, verse 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I will make you enemy, till I make your enemies your footstool. Talk about reversal. Here it is. He's the judge over the entire world being judged by the world that's bizarro world he's the judge over the entire world he created it all and yet he willingly comes to be judged by those who really need to be judged well the response is explosive look at verse 63 the high priest tore his clothes. 
It's a sign of the greatest possible outrage, horror, and grief. People, when they had times of grief, they would tear their clothes. A high priest tore his clothes. And he said, why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You've heard blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. And some began to hear again. They spit at him. They blindfolded him. They struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. He takes on what we should have to take on because of our sin. And we get to take on what belongs to him. It's a great reversal. But he loves you that much. He wants to have a relationship with you. And many times it's through straining at the oars, feeling like the wind is against you, feeling like the time is running out. He sees you and he wants to come alongside you. He loves you. You're not alone. And he can redeem what he's allowed. They spit on him. They beat him in the middle of the trial. They go absolutely berserk. But the problem is the court of Sanhedrin doesn't have the power to pass death, death sentence on him. That's left up to Pilate. And that's where we'll pick up next week. So let's fast forward to today and what do we do about Easter? This Easter season is not about what you're doing or committing yourself to do for God, but about what he has done is now doing for you and in you. So that's why we participate in Lent. Some of us gave up some things. Some of us added some things. But not, not about the 40 days of committing to see what we're going to do for God. We gave those things up simply to, to come in or added those things to create space for us to realize how powerful the cross is and how powerful the resurrection is. So that we're committing ourselves to what he has done and is now doing for you and in you. The best is still yet to come. So I'd like for us to respond with a prayer. And it may seem silly to you, but hands open on your lap. You can't receive something with a hand closed. And I have something for you. And it requires your participation in prayer. Lord, I open my life to you. And let me stop at this point. Some of you have been thinking about following Jesus. You've been on the edge. You've been th- checking it out. You've, or maybe you've been in a church group for years and years, but never personally made the commitment to say, I just open my life to you. So maybe that's all you need to pray today is, Lord, I open my life to you. 
but there's more for all of us. Use the brokenness of my life to complete your work of personal transformation in me. Not my will, your will be done. Thank you for leaving heaven for me so that I could have heaven with you. And I offer my life to you as an offering. I'd like for us to pray that together aloud. Lord, I open my life to you. Use the brokenness of my life to complete your work of personal transformation in me. Thank you for leaving heaven for me so that I could have heaven with you. I offer my life to you as an offering. Father, I pray that you would do your work within us. For those who are brand new followers of Jesus, Father, begin to mold them and, 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 and make them like you. And for those of us that have been followers of you for some time, Father, may we not focus on the lack, may we focus upon the provider. Father, we commit our lives to you, and I give thanks that you came to earth for us so that we could go to heaven with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We always are open for prayer requests, and if you prayed to receive Jesus, that first phrase, Lord, open my life to you, please let us know. If you're online, there's a place to comment. Uh, If you're here in the house, uh, the prayer cards, let us know that. We would love to come alongside you and help you in your relationship with Christ. Let's prepare to give our offerings to God. Uh, It's a privilege for us to give, and New Cove does it well.